Okay, are we ready? That sounds better. Amen. I like it. I like it. You have no idea how hard it is to do the job those guys do. And over here with this, oh my gosh, that, that, that's, that can be pressure some days when you're coming to church. This is the message, and it's interesting where Randy went. The toolbox with fresh fire from heaven. That's going to be the message today. But I want to start off this way. For some, exhaustion sets in before your feet hit the ground. Your mind is like a spinning wheel. It's like a whirlwind going all over the place. Others have been bickering at one another, maybe at the kids, on the way to church. These are real things, people. Many of us have heard the word, can possibly even quote it, yet around and around we go. Is there any hope? Or is God playing favorites? What's this all about? <laughs> There's only one answer. His name is Jesus. That's all you're going to hear about today. Jesus. Amen? He is just so awesome. I just want to pray. Merciful, loving Father, thank you that you are still on the throne. All-knowing, ever-present, all-powerful. Open our spiritual eyes and ears this day that we may grow by leaps and bounds in your word as it revives, refreshes, encourages us to continue in this walk of faith that you have called us to. In Jesus' name, I pray. This sermon comes to you from our breakfast table to you. <laughs> Carol and I have great mornings in the word. We spend a lot of time together like that, and it just encourages each other. And so that's what you're going to hear today. And we're going to open in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 to 6. I don't see anybody in position to hand out Bibles, but I don't see any hands in the air. So I think we're okay. You know, Christmas time is, uh, for Christians, a very precious time. But it can be a very painful time. I did three funerals this last month. And that's not easy because those people are going to associate Christmas with death or when their loved one went to heaven. If they went to heaven, that gets heavy too. It's very interesting to watch. A congregation. You know, Carol and I have been coming out probably about two years now. Absolutely love the church, love our pastors, family, love the congregation. But as in all congregations, how come we're hurting so bad? How come we have those ups and downs? And that's all real. That's all part of life. But I want a victorious Christian life. Our brother Arthur from Ottawa came over like when he was with us last summer. He walked up to me, he says, how come you're like you are, you and your wife? How come you're always bubbly, always full of fire? I said, brother, it's fresh fire from heaven. It comes down every day. You got to grab onto it. You got to go after it. The adversary is in our face all day long. 
And I love to present Jesus all day long, wherever I go. Anything that's going to take off the adversary makes me happy. That's it. Let's look at it. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses... I'm going to start in 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. That last little verse, and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. When you obey the word, you get set free. Deliverance happens. It's there. So when you have those silly thoughts come back, or those lustful thoughts, or whatever those thoughts are, kick them out in Jesus' name. The name of Jesus is all-powerful, beyond any shadow of a doubt. Ever try to do a job without the right tools? Ugh. Makes me crazy. I, 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 you don't succeed. It just doesn't work. So today, that's what it's about. We've got a toolbox. And within this toolbox is the tools that we require to walk a victorious Christian life. Oh, not my book. That's mine. You must be born again. I've heard it and heard it and heard it. I, I remember, like, I did not grow up in church. I was 42 years old before Christ came into my life. You must be born again. I says, come on. And then they started talking like Nicodemus. I could understand that. How could I crawl back into my mother's womb? We're to be born of the water, which is the natural birth, and born of the spirit. Because if we're not born of the spirit, we're not really going to understand the things of the word. We're not going to know that we can truly walk a victorious Christian life. But we can. And praise be to God, we will. I remember talking with my, my Catholic friends. Well, our Bible doesn't say that. It says, oh, yes, it does. You got to read John 3, 3. We know you must be born again. But then a little later on, see, their Bible says you must be renewed. Amen. Being renewed and being born again are the same thing. You read three scriptures later, it says, wonder not that you must be born again. See, we need to be born again. Saying a prayer is great, but that's not coming into a closer walk with the Lord. There's a whole lot more involved, amen? A whole lot more. So that was where we started. Prayer. Prayer. I don't know how to pray. That's the first thoughts that come into your mind. That's automatic. There are so many prayers in the Bible, it's almost countless. We, uh, we had a, a on the old church, we used to have up on the wall, push. And what it means is pray until something happens. That's what it means. And sometimes you have to persevere in prayer. Sometimes you're really challenged. Sometimes you go through long suffering. And those are hard times. But when you know that your God is the prayer answering God, you can make it through. Amen. You can make it through. I put down a few of the prayers here. The prayer of thanksgiving. 
That should be our most common prayer. Not my personal needs. Thank you, Lord, that you're in my life. Thank you for what you did on that cross of Calvary. Thank you for the blood you shed. Thank you, Lord, that I live in Canada. But if you lived in a third world nation, the persecuted church, as many of the people from this church understand, it's horrendous what's around the world today. What, do, what Christians are having happen to them for their faith in our beloved Jesus. Prayer of thanksgiving, prayer of faith, usually used in reference to healing. Prayer of forgiveness. Boy, don't we need to use that each and every day. Oh, some of you don't. I'll put my hands up twice because I make mistakes every day. I sin every day. I'm a sinner in need of the grace of God. There is no way around it. Praying in the Spirit. I'm I'm thankful. The Apostle Paul said, I thank my God. I pray in tongues more than all of thee. And at that time, what he was saying, he wasn't saying I pray in tongues more than all of you. He was saying, I'm thankful for me building up your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Ghost out of Jude 20. I pray in the Spirit all the time. Deliverance. I thank the Lord for deliverance. See, because you're looking at a guy who used to be cross-addicted. You're looking at a guy that used to be, had a lot of problems from the age of five. I acquired a flavor, a taste for Labatt's 50. That didn't do very good as I got older, okay? But then into the drugs, but that's not the story today. But he is still to deliver, but he can deliver you from whatever you're in. I can guarantee it. Guarantee it. But you've got to want to be set free. That's your part. Prayer of healing. Prayer of salvation. Prayer of repentance. Prayer of dedication. Prayer of sanctification. I think we get the picture. Prayer is a... I believe it to be the number one most important part of our Christian walk. Number one. Above anything. Right next door... than others, okay? And the Bible does talk about the hammer of the word. And for me, I think I'm a dunderhead. You know, I just, it took a long time to get some of these things to sink in and sink in and sink in and sink in. And slowly but surely, they do come, okay? And for Dan, you can't see me right now, but I've got a sledgehammer in my hand. I know he'll be listening to this. Jeremiah fifteen sixteen. Oh, praise be to God. I've got to read that to you. Anybody know that scripture, familiar with it at all? I could quote it, but I'd rather read it this time. 15 and 16. How many of you like to eat? That's good. That's good. Come on, baby, where are you? Your words were found, and I ate them. And your word was to me joy and a rejoicing of my heart. Whenever I need, like when I get heavy, we all get into a spirit of heaviness. we got to put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. But for me, number one above anything, I have to pick up the Bible. And it takes me right back. It brings, pulls me right out of that darkness and puts me back where I belong, in the light. 
And that's what it's all about. You know, the word, like, a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my pathway. When we walk, I'm going to let you in on a secret. You may not know this, but I'm going to let you know about it. The world we live in is a cesspool. And he puts these pieces of stone down for us so we can walk over them. But thank God he's given us the light that we can see those pieces of stone, that we can make it and we don't have to fall into that cesspool. Anybody ever had that happen to you? Not a nice thing. Yeah, me too, brother. (laughs) Been there, done that. Not nice. Hebrews 4 and 12 tells you what the word is. Who the word is, we know Jesus and the word are one. But Hebrews 4 and 12, one thing you get to do when I stand up here is you get to run around in your Bibles, amen? Because I really believe it's necessary for us to know this book. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the division of the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow, is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. You ain't going to con God. It just ain't going to happen. He knows the thoughts and the intents of your heart. You know, many times the adversary will come in and he'll try to bring a, a, a thought into your mind. Well, you know if it's good or it's bad. Get rid of it. Don't meditate on it. Because the longer you meditate on it, you're giving it power. See, when we go into the, the spiritual armor, the fiery darts of the wicked ones are thoughts that he puts in our head. But our job is to kick them out in Jesus' name. It's not hard to do, but it's a good habit to get into. So when you're in your plum syndrome, poor little unloved me, you know, and, and you're just, oh, man, I'm having a bad day. Kick yourself in the back of the pants and get on with it. Let's go. It's time. There's somebody out there needs the word. Somebody out there needs to be encouraged. That somebody might be you. You know, you put together the hammer of the word, which is a scripture in the Old Testament, and the dunamis power of the Holy Spirit. Dunamis dunamis power means the Holy Spirit is all-powerful. That's the part of God, all-powerful. Okay, dunamis, spiritual dynamite. So when you speak God's word and you believe it will accomplish what it's been set forth to do. It's not going to come back void. It's going to do its job. And you start praying that way. Wow, things start to happen. And it's a good thing. It's a God thing. This is a box that's full of tools, okay? Full of tools. Faith. Most people here can quote Hebrews 11.1. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. Amen. You can go into other scriptures that back up. Call those things that are not as though they are. You can go to Abraham, the father of faith. Ooh, I like him. I'm going to talk about him later. We walk by faith, not by sight. Those are all wonderful truths. When you're a person of faith, it overcomes Who's your faith in? What's your faith in? Faith is in Jesus, amen? Faith is in the word. You know, there's so many people. And, and like I said, at this time of year, I mean, I got a phone call yesterday that one of my friends, his wife just passed away. She uh, died of lung cancer. I don't know their relationship with the Lord, you know, but I, I know that December 5th, she went for a checkup 
completely clean, no cancer in her body. December 28th, she's dead. Enjoy every day you have on planet Earth. Enjoy your families. Love your families. Love your loved ones. Get rid of the garbage. You don't have time for it. You really don't. The grace of God. Oh, thank you, Lord, for your grace. I'm just going to look at one scripture on this, Ephesians 2 and 8. I mean, you can go to the beginning of almost every book in the New Testament. We talk about grace. I'm doing this on purpose. I've had people come to me and say, well, you're a works person. I said, oh, really? I said, we're saved by grace. Amen? That's right. Listen to what the Word of God says. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourself, it is the gift of God. Amen. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Again, I go back, we're saved by grace. But there's three graces in the Bible. There's the unmerited favor of God. In other words, he chooses who will come to him. There's the operational power of God. Everything that takes place is done because of his mercy towards us and by his power, his grace. That's how stuff happens, the positive things in life. But there's a third grace, and most of us miss it. And if you go into your, like I went into my Strong's Concordance, and I don't know how many years ago I heard this message. I, I started to study it. Grace, the divine influence on your heart with the outward evidence of change in your life. All the times that grace is mentioned in the New Testament, all but once, that's what it means. So Christianity means transformation. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Be not conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How can we not pick this book up and read it? And once we... Then there's that part of learning how to apply it to our lives. I mean, if, if somebody picks up a, a manual and you go ahead and do something, but you don't follow the manual, will it get done? It'll get done, but it won't get done right. If, if you take an engine and you take out two parts out of that engine, not going to run quite right anymore. Well, that's what he's trying to get through to us in this word. This is how it works. And it's by his grace. But we have our part in it. Amen? We've got to have our part. The name of Jesus. Hallelujah. The highest name in the heavens, on the earth, and under the earth. The name of Jesus. I've looked at it a couple times in here. I'm going to go first to do Acts 4 and 30. Pastor Dan's been working out of the book of Acts for a long time. See, what I'm trying to let you know here is God has given us every single solitary tool to pull us out of the doldrums. He's given us every tool to overcome. See, we're called to be overcomers, but to overcome, to be an overcomer, we have to overcome something. Amen? And that's what, what is the greatest battle? Who is the greatest adversary you face every morning? Your own face in the mirror. That's the biggest battle you're going to have. Every day. Now, I look at the mirror and I say, who is that old guy in there? 
Because I don't feel like that guy anymore. But that's still my biggest battleground. It's this, and then the battlefield of the mind. I mean, there's wonderful books been written on it. And it's real. But I looked at Acts 4 and 30 as an example. By stretching out, ooh, by stretching out your hand and healing, signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Jesus. See, anybody, and I don't want to get into evangelism today. I'm not just focusing on that, even though that's my heart. See, miracles still take place. That's what we've been studying in the book of Acts. And they're still taking place today. And they're glorious. And when uh, the one sister I look at over here, your mother, I believe it was, was healed of multitudes of problems. I know other people in this church right now that have had miraculous healings to the glory of God. And that's what you have got to keep it there. Because people get so messed up. They get focused on the one who's ministering the gift instead of the gift giver. I mean, that's, that's something we have to control. But I'd rather look at other scriptures here. I have a, a, a photo I was going to bring in today, and I forgot it. <clears throat> and I have to hold on to myself when I forget things. But it's a photo of laughing Jesus. Have you ever seen the, the print, the laughing Jesus? Oh, my And my thoughts on the laughing Jesus. Jesus spoiled principalities and made a show out of them openly. He was in hell for three days after he died on that cross. And I look at, this is my rendition, okay? You got the devil and all of the demons of hell chucking at him. You thought you were the son of God? Ha, you're going to be here just like the rest of us. You couldn't even save yourself. Look at you. And after three days, the Holy Spirit says, Hey, Jesus, we're out of here. And he looked up. That's how I look at problems in life. My Jesus is bigger than any problem. Whether it's sickness on my body, whether it's finances, it don't matter. Jesus is the highest name in the heavens, on the earth, under the earth. He's the great. Jesus is our all in all. Love him, love him, love him. Are you getting anything out of this? Hard to tell. This is not a charismatic type of jumping around. Our, our old church used to be called the Church of the Swinging Chandelier, so it was a little different. Humility. Humility. That's an actual tool. It's a tool that we have, that God has given us. It doesn't sound like a tool, but it puts you in the position where God can move in your life. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. There's your spiritual warfare message. Resist the devil and he'll flee. If you got a drinking problem, don't go drinking. I had a guy call into our TV show one time and he was saying, he says, the demons are chasing me. I says, what are you doing? He says, I'm drinking. I says, stop drinking. That was it. Now the next day we went and visited him and we ministered to him a little further. But the key was, we are so silly, we put ourselves back in the place of temptation when we shouldn't. If you have a problem, I mean, pornography is rampant. It, 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 it's crazy what's happening with pornography today. Not just men, not just women, not just people of the world. Sorry, guys. It's in the church, too. 
There's no reason for anybody to ever watch pornography. There is such sickness and perversion in the midst of that. I ministered to one man that had a problem with that. And I said, hey, man, I said, what are you doing? Would you want your daughter in that place? That was a wake-up call. That's good. Thank God. But I know we're not supposed to talk about stuff like that. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. This is written to the church. It's not written to them. It's written to us. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Amen? He'll lift you up. You might be in that miry clay all over again, but he'll pull you back up. When you quit trying to do things on your own, he can lift you up. But if if you're going to keep doing it on your own, he stands back. Have fun. Have fun. By the way, I touched on pride there. I love the book of Proverbs. I called it the smack up my side of the head book. And I read Proverbs, and my son got me into a habit of reading it every day type of thing, and I fall away every now and again. But if I start thinking I'm something or I'm somebody, back to the book of Proverbs. There's one scripture in there, and it's, again, my interpretation of it. Pride comes before a fall. So before you get really, really, really prideful, get a nice soft cushion because you're going to do a face plant. Okay? That's what's going to happen. Guaranteed. Another one. You know, I pulled out 20 tools that he has given us. 20 tools. And I only touched on it. Forgiveness. Oh, my, 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 my. It's a tool. The greatest hindrance to healing that I have come up against over the years is unforgiveness. If you have unforgiveness in your heart, you're in trouble. You really are. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians is such a book. Oh, my gosh. You could study it every day for a year, and you'd just keep right on going. 12 to 15. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercy, kindness, humility, meekness, suffering, bearing with one another, forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. Not optional. It's not an option. You must do. Must do. Hmm. That's strong. That's strong. Every Christian needs a graveyard in their backyard to put all of the hurts and the pains and the words and the offense and the bitterness and leave it there and don't pull it back up. I see so many people living in their past. Your past is not your past. If you're bringing it back into your present, it is present. Do you understand that? Let it go. You can't do anything about it. The only thing you can do is forgive the person. I mean, there are so many women that have faced sexual abuse. There are so many people that have had words spoken, lies spoken, offenses settles in. When offense settles in, right there is the root of bitterness. And when you got the root of bitterness, man, that's an ugly thing. 
And it just goes down. And what comes after the root of bitterness? Malice. Malice is the highest form of hatred there is. You want to have a look at it? Let's look at Ishmael and Hagar. Ishmael was Abraham's first son. Wasn't supposed to be, but it happened. They kicked him out. When, you know, Sarah came to the place, I don't want him around anymore. Get rid of him. I don't want her around anymore. Get rid of my, my, my servant. Get rid of them. They left. Unforgiveness came into their hearts. Why did my daddy do this to me? My daddy loved me. And she's saying, I had all these good things and now I've got nothing. And they go off. And what happened when you study out, study out, study out, Ishmael? You're talking about the Muslim faith. That's what you're talking about. Who do they hate the most? With total malice, they hate the Jews. And we're right next to them. I think they call us the book of the light of them, right, Shear? We're of the light. They look at us as being of the light. And they hate us right next door because they link us up with the Jews. But I'm telling you right now, there are more Muslims coming to Christ around the world than you can imagine. Because God himself is pouring out his spirit. Christ himself is entering their rooms when they're sleeping at night. And the light and the glory of God comes into their presence and they're humbling themselves. Every one of my friends that I've met, like people like G.R., wonderful story behind this man, a godly man, a man who when Christ came into his life, his family said, we don't want you. The father says, we don't want you. They stripped him of everything. But you know what? God has resurrected him, brought him to a new home. He has the family of God. He has a job. He has a church. Praise be to God. We need to be reaching out to the people in the persecuted church. We need to be praying for the people in the persecuted church. They need our prayers. It's true. What are the two verses after the Lord's Prayer? That's right. If you don't forgive others, God won't forgive you. But I'm a Christian. He knows my heart. He knows his word. He is the word. He's trying to get through to us. Unforgiveness is like a cancer in your body. It's a horrible place to be. Yes. I remember one young man, when we were doing marriage counseling, he says, every Saturday morning I'd get up, mom and dad had split. And he said, I'd sit on the front porch because daddy said he'd come and get me. And we'd go fishing. Daddy never came. His trust had been violated. Once your trust is violated, it's hard to regain trust in anything or anyone, including God. Including God. And he's ever faithful. Jesus is ever faithful. Amen? I could spend months on this little part. Do yourself a favor. Put a spiritual graveyard in your backyard, okay? Get all those wrong things. Thanksgiving. Oh, my, 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 my. Hey, we're not doing too bad on time even. This is really good. Into the book of Philippians. Philippians, Colossians. Wow, awesome books. Awesome books. Four, chapter four, verses six and seven. Grab this, be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer. 
and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now I want to go back into this. Let's break this down just a little bit. It's too rich not to break down. And you can go even all the way back up to four. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. That's Maranatha. Be anxious for nothing. Anxiety, worry, and fear are like a piece of rope. They're three cords all tied together. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, go to God in prayer. Go to God in prayer. And supplication is a formal request to a higher power. That's what that means. You're going to God Almighty, and you're saying, Lord, you know what I'm going through. I've got these worries. I've got these thoughts. I I mean, I've got these deaths. I've got this. I've got this. I've got this. We all deal with that. Hello. It's real. That's called life. We live in a cursed world. And I know you won't maybe not agree with me, but we've all made mistakes that cause us problems. But we'll go on from there. That isn't a popular area. With thanksgiving. In other words, when we pray, you're already thanking him for the answer. That's what that means. We're already thanking him for what he's already done. Call those things that are not as though they are. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. I'm praying. I know my God's a prayer-answering God, and I know he will meet my needs. Amen? He will. He's God. There's one thing you could count on in this world today. Jesus. That's it. Nothing else. Nothing else. Oh, I want to go on there. And if you do these things, everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, prayer, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Shalom. The peace of God that we cannot understand. It's beyond our comprehension. Don't you know what you're going through? Don't you know the problems you have? My Jesus, he's still on the throne. He hasn't stepped down. He's still on the throne. That means I can count on him for doing what I need to have done. Amen. It's real. It's as real as real can be. What one's that? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's a good one. Spiritual armor. Do you put your armor on every morning? How many put the spiritual armor on every morning? Wow. I'm going to throw something else your way. How many put it on every night? When do most of your attacks come? In the night season. The spinning wheel starts to run. Starts to go gaga goo goo. All kinds of dumb thoughts come into your brain. Things that happened 30 years ago. Some of you guys aren't anywhere near 30, so you're lucky. But 30 years ago, something happened. And if you don't have your armor on, and if you don't believe your armor is real, you're in trouble. I'm going back into Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6. That's another book you could stay in for about a month at a time. I'm going to start at verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Whose might? His might. Whose might? Wow, quiet church. Whose might? Yay, we got some more. I like this. 
Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Whether you know it or not, if you're a Christian, he hates you and he's trying to take you down. Now, I'm going to tell you something else. We don't have pews here, so I'm okay. And I've had promises there'd be no rotten eggs or anything like that. So people who are born again and do not do anything with what they have, don't share it, don't live it, don't show it. Remember, faith is an action word. Ever looked at Christian? I was preaching a message one day, and the common thought of Christian is followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, right? God dropped into my wife, into her spirit when we were sitting there. I said, Christ in action now. That's who we are to be. Christ in action now. We're his representatives on planet Earth. We're the ones that are to minister as Christ ministered. We're the ones who are to walk as he walked. He says, follow me. Apostle Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. That's what we're to be doing. By the way, that pew sitter, somebody who's a pew sitter, they stinketh. I love them, but they stinketh. We all got to be out there doing something for the Lord. Amen. Some people say, I'm getting old. You can still pray. And you know, when one soul comes into the kingdom, the angels rejoice, right? But every person who prayed for that person has the same reward as the one who had the privilege of leading them to Christ. We're all involved. We're all supposed to be involved. It's not a, it, it, it's not a, a Superman game. The only Superman I know, that they crucified him. It's Jesus Christ. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Again, we hear that. But against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. I've gone into communities and they say, oh, there's a dark cloud over our community. I said, yeah, it's called sin. What's the main sin in your community? That's where your target with your prayers. Not coming against the people. It's not the people. When we had the soup kitchen down in Lindsay, the courts paid for the soup kitchen. They paid for the funding of it. It was unheard of because the, the federal prosecuting attorney and I both hated drugs, not the addicts. We hated the drugs. And we just reached out. And, and it was just a wonderful relationship that we built. And instead of these kids getting a, a criminal record back then for possession of marijuana, they paid their money to the soup kitchen to help the people of the community. And then on top of that, they had to listen to my testimony. It was good. It was good. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day. What day is the evil day? Each and every day. It can be an evil day. And having done all, to stand. You can do that if you have your armor on. Armor all. No, armor on. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness. So have you have girded with truth. I love this. Your waist girded with truth. He is the way, the truth, and life. So you've got Jesus right there. Amen? And then when you look at the next one, it says, put on the breastplate of righteousness. 
What does the righteousness, the breastplate, it covers your heart. You are the righteousness of God by your faith in Jesus Christ. That's who you are. And when the adversary tries to tell you, no, 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 no. And he tries to remind you of your past. Remind him of his future. You're forgiven. You've been, you, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, and you have followed 1 John 1 and 9, confessed your sins, he is more than able to forgive you your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You've got a clean slate each and every day. Keep it that way. He wants to use you as a holy vessel to reach the lost. But you've got Jesus. And righteousness means you have a right standing with God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's what it means. I like that. And having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, your go-ye shoes. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. And the gospel of peace, did you catch that? You're never going to argue anybody into heaven. You'll love them in, but you'll never argue them in. Above all, taking the shield of faith, which you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Amen. That's those thoughts I was talking about earlier. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You don't use the word of God to beat somebody over the head. That's been a problem in the church for way too long. Way too long. It's not meant to be. It's to speak when it's needed to repel the darkness. That's what it's to do. You're bringing the light into the darkness. You've got to love people. Beating them over the head doesn't work. You know, I, I don't carry a big stick. Some people think you carry a big stick. You've got the word of God. No, Jesus died on a big stick. It was called the cross of Calvary. And it was to set us free. We are no longer under condemnation. We're no longer under... The, Praying always with all prayer and supplication, right back in again, in the spirit. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. You're to be watching out for your brothers and sisters. You're to be praying for your brothers and sisters. That's another part of prayer. It's called intercessory prayer. For which I am ambassador. But that's where I'm going to stop with that. But I hope you're getting an idea. Please, please, at night... Read those scriptures. If you can't memorize them or you don't have them memorized, read them at night. Because the promise of the word of God says the sleep of the righteous will be sweet. I like sleeping. It's great. It's great. But it's not nice when it's always disturbed with dumb thoughts crossing into your brain. Now, I like to pray at night. Sometimes I pray silently. Sometimes I pray out loud. I try not to do that with the wife beside me, right? Doesn't work too well. The blood. Ooh, ooh. The blood, the sacrificial lamb of God. You've been redeemed. You know, people don't understand the blood. They really don't. If you go into the Old Testament, you think of the blood. There is always blood sacrifices. Always. Blood sacrifices for sin. Jesus took upon himself the sin of the world. All of the sin. Yesterday, today, and forever. All of the sins that will ever take place. He went to that cross with one hope that people would embrace him, love him, serve him, follow him, right into heaven. 
Amen? And it's only because of the blood. It's only the blood. It's all it is. It's not, I mean, we, we sing of power in the blood. We sing of the, um, the blood has not, never lost its power. It never will. It never will. The blood, the Holy Spirit, he's the helper. He's the teacher. He's the comforter. Jesus said, he says, I'm not going to leave you guys alone. My father's going to send you the helper. But most churches don't even understand who the helper is. We forget about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is here with us now, right now. In fact, the Bible says if you're a Christian, he resides within you. Your body becomes the temple of the Holy Ghost. And, and one of my friends, you know, thank God for the word, amen? He was reading the word and a revelation came to him that his body was the temple of the Holy Ghost. And what I mean by a rhema word came to him, boom. And he quit an addiction he had for 50 years like that because he did not want to contaminate the temple. Wow. Think about it, guys. That's heavy. But it's real. That's real. Dunamis power. He's our teacher. He's the spirit of truth. Oh, he's in your corner. How many like wrestling? I used to love wrestling back when you had the, the tag team guys and they'd be there and run over and, you know, you get the upper there and then read, oh, got him. Who's in the corner with you? The Holy Ghost. God said, let there be light. Bang. He brought forth light. There was light. Oh, come on. Like, that's exciting. He's in your corner. Whatever you're going through, reach out to him. He's here with you. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Thank you, Lord, for the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Lord. Hope. I'm not going to get through all this. I can see it coming. Hope. Abraham hoped against hope. Do we understand that? Abraham was getting up there in years, 99-ish. Anyway, 25 years prior to that, God had spoken to him and said, you are going to be the father of many nations. He says, but I don't even have a son. That's where Ishmael came into the picture, etc., etc. But he stood there and he says, I'm not going to look. And this is what we have to learn to do. I am not going to look at the situation. I'm not going to look at my age. I'm not going to look at my wife's age. Her womb was long since was finished with the thoughts of even having a baby, let alone having one. And then going through the nine months, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm not even going to try and break down all the parts that work in there. But the key is, it was impossible. Our God's the God of the impossible. Yes. He is. He's the God of the impossible. He says, I will make all things possible. All things. That's not flaky teaching. That's the word of God, guys. We got to embrace it. We got to live it. We got to get excited. Do you want to have a victorious Christian walk or a whole home? <laughs> you know, this lip gets so far down, it's almost dragging on the ground. We don't need to do that. Faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. One of the funerals I was involved with, um, this man 
a husband, this couple had been married over 50 years. And this man was as rough, as rough, as rough, as rough as you can be. He had been through more ugly situations. He had been driven so far away from God by circumstances that he dealt with. But his wife became a Christian, and she started to pray for him. And everybody told her she was nuts. This man will never change. Never change. There's no way possible. He's too angry. He's got too much. He's got he's got a mouth of a drunken sailor. On and on and on and on. Two years ago, that man's life started to change. Started to change. He went to be with his Lord and Savior. And his wife got to kiss him goodbye. Said, I'll be with you soon. You know, what a moment. Everybody told her no. Her own kids told her to get rid of him. Her family told her to get rid of him. She says, no. I'm believing my husband's going to become a Christian. Abraham waited 25 years. She was almost 50. Wow. Wow. I, did, I got to throw this one in for you, Randy. Praise and worship. Praise and worship are two of the most powerful spiritual warfare elements that God has given us. Something's happening in your life. Praise the Lord. Where are you taking? You're taking your focus off of the problem. You look down there at a molehill, it'll grow right in front of your eyes. It'll just get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. But why don't you look up? Because he's the one that's in charge. Amen? Praise stops the enemy. Stops him short in his tracks. He doesn't know what to do. And he hates to hear it. Why do they keep saying praise the Lord? And guess what? They back off. They back off, and you can go back into your normal mode. And worship, worship is not just meant to be here in the holy of holies. Worship is meant to be a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle living God's way. It's a, David had the heart of a worshiper. Did David have a perfect life? Long ways from it. He had a dysfunctional family before they had that phrase. But you know what? He persevered. And oh, what a man of God he showed himself to be. But he had the heart of a worshiper. I don't know if I can run through this or not. Repentance. Only godly sorrow leads to repentance. I should have got into the fruit of the Spirit. Ah. Yoked with Christ. You know how long we could go on with these things? Fruit of the Spirit, that's all I'm going to finish with. If you want to do something in your Christian walk, if you want to grow in your Christian walk, Grow in the fruit of the Spirit. Love. Love. God's love. Agape love. Unconditional love. I'm going to love you whether you love me back or not. I'm going to love you enough I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to love you no matter what. You smuck me, I'm just going to turn the other cheek. That ain't easy. Pray blessings over them. That ain't easy. That's the love of God. You pray blessings over and watch the coals of fire, the coals of conviction come upon their head. And their life changes. It takes time sometimes. We're not, God doesn't deal in the element of time. We do. We do. Joy. Oh, come on. Come on. Get excited. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Not the joy that's interlinked to your bank account. 
Not the joy because everything's peachy, keen, hunky-dory in your life. Everything's coming up smelling of roses. No, the joy of the Lord is your strength. You can be joyful in the worst situations. Rejoice, and again I say, rejoice. Rejoice. Get excited. Jesus is there. The Holy Ghost is in your corner. You've got God Almighty that loves you in such an unbelievable way. No matter how bad you were, he loves you. No matter, I used to, the other hat I had, I've got a whole bunch of hats with me. I didn't even get to them. But one of the hats I had, it said, God loves you no matter what. God loves you no matter what. Though he may not be happy with some of the things you're doing. That's that. Change your way. Change your way. Love, joy, peace. Shalom. Are we walking in peace? Or are we walking in turmoil? Then you need to grow in peace. Study the word peace. Go into deep Bible studies. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering. I talked to Joe about this last week. Because long-suffering, a lot of the Bible say patience. No, 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 no. Long-suffering doesn't even kick in until your patience is exhausted. All gone. Doesn't even kick in. Then it comes in. Kindness. How are you doing on your acts of kindness other than yourself? Hmm. Gentleness. Oh, it just, it is absolutely remarkable what is all entailed in the fruit of the Spirit. Goodness, faithfulness. I love it. He starts with love. Amen? And he ends in self-control. And he's got seven more in between. Without his love, you're never going to get to self-control. It's not going to happen. Because if you're trying to change your anger issue on your own, you failed all this time. Why do you think it's going to change now? Whatever your addiction is, self-control. You've tried to fight it on your own. By the way, the secular world has many, many uh, rehab centers. The average is 2% success rate. Teen challenges over 90% success rate. Why? The Jesus factor. The Jesus factor. That's what it's all about. It's all about Jesus. That's what this here has been about here today. It's all about Jesus. When you go in, like we're starting into a new year, get serious about God. That's my word for Northgate. It's time to get serious about God. In our personal lives, um, in our prayer life, obviously, in the corporate prayer life that we can have with this church, get serious about God. Go into this new coming year on fire and radical for Jesus. There's no two of us are going to be the same. I used to have a friend that you say, I'd, I'd say, well, the joy of the Lord is my strength. He says, the joy of the Lord is my strength too. I don't want your joy. But we've got to show the world that we're different. We are in this world, but we are not of this world. We're not to be the same as this world. Father, I just thank you for what you've done today. I pray, Lord, that every person, as I prayed at the beginning, that they would have ears to hear, eyes to see. Lord, I pray that your word penetrated deep, deep down inside. The realization that you are sovereign, you are still on the throne, that you are still God and you are still almighty, all-powerful, all-knowing, and you are ever-present. 
Lord, let those words not make us uncomfortable. Let those words make us rejoice. In your, oh, you're such an awesome God. Such an awesome God. And I thank you, Father, for the privilege of standing up here and sharing the good news. And, Lord, there may be people here that were spoken to. I know as, as I was driving in, I felt that there's just someone that has got so much uh, shame and guilt try, attached to them. Guilt is I made a mistake. Shame is I am a mistake. God doesn't make mistakes at all. So, Lord, I just thank you right now that you've ministered to hearts, that there'll be people at the back that people can go and pray with. Even if you don't know Jesus, this Jesus I've talked about all this day, and you've heard these wonderful things, you can personally know him as your Lord and Savior. And for the rest of us, Lord, that we would continue to call and go from deep to deep in the things of the Lord. I thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, uh, yeah, thanks, Ken. We're going to do something. Um, we were going to do communion today, but the top door was locked, so we couldn't get the elements. So uh, as Ken was speaking, there's just so many things that I'm sure rang true in our spirits. Amen. There's at least something that we connected with, if not all of that. So I'm going to sing a song, and there's no reason why we can't commune with God. Amen.